Matthew 5:33-37. Again you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord that you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Amen. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word. Thank you, Amanda. You may be seated. We'll continue our series. It's hot in here already, so I'm going to take this off before I get too distracted. Uh, this weather does not have a... It's kind of like the clients I have. It can't make up its mind. Uh, it was uh, freezing last Sunday, and now it's 70 degrees outside, only in Nashville, Tennessee. It's crazy. Uh, I'm used to being in Florida where it's either hot or hotter. We have either 70 or 90. We don't really go below that. So to be here one week and it's freezing, slipping on the ice, and the next weekend I need a short sleeve shirt. It's kind of crazy. We are in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we'll continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, if you've been with us, we've been journeying with this, this idea that we've been talking about. Now that we're believers, once God has called us to be His children, that's what uh, John just sang about. He is a good, good Father, and in His goodness... He calls us to live a certain way. And so what is, what is it for us and how is it for us that we are to live as kingdom citizens, that God has redeemed us. We were once lost and now we're found. We were once uh, strayed and now we've been brought home. And so God is now going to say to his children, this is what it means for you to live in the kingdom of God. There has to be a way for us to live in the kingdom of God. And so this morning we're going to look at uh, what does it mean for our yes to be yes or a no to be no. The crux of the passage is really, will we be truth-tellers? As, as kingdom citizens, will our lives be marked with truthfulness? You know, that's something that's so uh, rare today in, in the world. Can we really trust anyone? Can we really trust what other people are telling us? So Jesus is going to come and he says to us, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And he's doing this in the context of the law. We've been studying the last four weeks when we have two more weeks to go. What Jesus came to what he said he would do in chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. I'd like to read that for us this morning. He says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to what? Fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of these, uh, these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of God. But whoever does them and teaches them will be great in the kingdom of, of heaven. For I, say, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. And so now Jesus, in these next few passages, the ones we looked at already, anger and lust and divorce, the last three weeks, this morning we'll look at oaths. Some scholars call these the sixth antithesis of, of the Pharisees. So the Pharisees had this way of living, and Jesus comes to say, no, I'm going to flip up side down the law. I'm going to teach you what the law really has to say about these things. And he gives us six things that he tells us in this Morning's going to tell us what does it look like for our yes to be yes and our no to be no. 
I think we need to start all the way back in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 and 3. I think this is what Satan's been trying to do from the very beginning. This happened even before the fall. He's going to try to, Satan himself will always try to take the truth of God and distort it just enough so that we'll believe it to be true. And he's going to do that with mankind. He's going to, truth is going to look beautiful. Uh, the, the, the false truths are going to look beautiful to man, and man's going to hold on to those truths. That's what is happening in these things that we looked at the last few weeks. Remember anger and lust and divorce. That there were some truths that God had, and he taught us in, in the law. And then the Pharisees came to, a, a, to do away with the law so that they could have a righteousness that would, that would stand up in front of people so they would make themselves look good. And so it starts all the way back in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. If you know the story of Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1 is just the creation of God. That seven, six days God is creating. He says these things are good. The last day he creates man uh, in his own image and places them into the garden. And he says to them, you, you can have all that's in the garden. Everything that I've created for you is in the garden. Everything that you need is in the garden. Everything that you'll ever desire is in the garden. It is all yours. But yet there's one tree. Don't, don't, don't eat of this tree. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything else is yours. Everything else is under your control and your domain. And yet we see in Genesis chapter 3 what happens. He, the serpent comes onto the scene now. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. <clears throat> and he, the serpent, said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, you, we may eat of the, tree, of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And here comes the lie, here comes Satan, and he'll, he's going to do it to us. But did God really say that? Did God really say that? You see, he started off in, in the first few verses. Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree? No, that's not what God said. And you see, all of a sudden, he uses two words that are very crafty. And the woman begins to, to, to ponder and wonder, is God really true? Can God really be a good, good father? Is his truth true? She says, but God said, you should not eat of the tree, uh, the, the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it. And then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. But that's not true. You, you can't take God for his word. That's not really what God meant. You shall not truly die. For God knows that when you eat of it, you eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good from evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to her eye and she took that the tree was to be desired to make one wise and she took its fruit and ate of it and she also gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. You see from the very very beginning we, we in our hearts have wondered and pondered can people really be truth tellers? You, you see it on the news all the time. 
I mean, we're in the middle of the political debates. And if you're watching, it's like, oh, man, are they really going to say that? You know, a few years ago, we had, a, we had someone from Arkansas say, no new taxes. And what happens? New taxes. And, and you can just see people making these declarations that they say to be true. And then we ponder and wonder, can it really be true? And so Jesus is coming to us as kingdom citizens and saying to us, hey, you have to look different than the world. If you say something, you must be truth-tellers. And so for us this morning, are we truth-tellers? Are we telling the truth? Is the things that are coming out of our mouths the truth? I love this quote by Daniel Webster. He's an old, old man that was one of the founding fathers here in America, and he said this, There is nothing as powerful as the truth, and often nothing as strange as the truth. I, let me say that one more time. There's nothing as powerful as the truth and often nothing as strange as the truth. How come? Because we live in a day and age that nobody knows what is true any longer. You see, that's how Satan is so crafty. Because Satan knows if Satan can blur the truth, then we will not have anything to stand on. You see, there is something called absolute truth. You see, we're here in America and we're in the chaos that we're in because we've gone away from this truth. And it, it, it's because us as believers are not standing up for the truth. And therefore, we are not speaking the truth. And so if you want to look around and look at the chaos that, we in, that we're in, in this world, here in America, we as believers must stand up and say, how has it started with me? How have I personally wandered from telling the truth? You see, because if you begin to be truth tellers, you're going to be disliked. How do I know that? Jesus was a truth teller and it cost him his very life. And yet there's something in me and there's something in you that says, man, I don't know if I want to lose my life for the truth. If we're honest with ourselves. If I'm really honest sitting here from this pulpit this morning, there's something in me that says, I just don't really want to tell the truth. I don't know if it's worth the ridicule of it. If I'm honest to the core. But that's why I've got to go into God's word and read God's word and get strengthened by God's word. And God says, tell the truth. Tell the truth, tell the truth. And just what John said, I'm a good, good father. And so if I tell the truth, I do have a heavenly father that will watch over me and care for me. But am I more concerned what you think of me or am I more concerned of what he thinks of me? Because once I get concerned about what you think of me, I'll stop telling the truth. I promise that every time. I promise that every single time. How do I know that? Because that's been true in my own life. In my own life, in my own marriage, uh, up until about eight years ago, I, I lived not telling the truth, and it haunted me forever. How come? Because I was so concerned. If I just told the truth of what was really going on in here, that everyone would leave me. And so what God is saying to us through Jesus in this passage is, are we telling the truth? Are we living truthfully in front of other people? Is my yes, yes, and my no, no? 
Or is my yes, no, and my no, yes? And so this morning, we're going to look at, just like we looked at last week, three things. What did the law teach of telling the truth? What did the Pharisees come to teach about the truth? And ultimately, what does Christ teach about the truth? The challenge for us this morning is, will we be a community here at Powell's Chapel that will be marked by telling the truth? And it starts with what's going on internally, what's going on in my heart. Am I willing to take the risk to tell the truth to another human being? Not just to God, but to another human being. You see, only you know this morning if you've come in here not telling the truth. Only you know if you hold a secret, and Jesus tells us in Luke 12, if you have a secret, he promises us, us holding a secret, us not telling the truth, eventually that will be shouted from the rooftops. That ought to frighten us half to death. That we cannot hide from the truth. The truth always wins out. Always, always wins. And so what does the law say about the truth? You see, what was happening in that day is that the Pharisees, and I'll get to this in a minute, that they had taken the law and they said, Don't, it's not really about telling the truth. So for me, it is, are we going to tell the truth? Are we going to sit and tell the truth this morning? And so what does the law say about telling the truth? Because what the Pharisees were doing is saying, hey, don't, it's not about telling the truth. It's about who we tell the truth to. So we can see in Numbers chapter 30, verse 2. It's okay to take oaths. It's okay to tell the truth. It's okay to make promises. If a man vows a vow to the Lord and swears an oath to, to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall, not do, he shall do it in according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Deuteronomy 23, 21 says this. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will, not, you will be guilty of sin. Exodus 19, 12. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and you shall profane the name of the Lord your God. You see, all throughout the Old Testament, it is okay to take the truth. And what the, what the writers are saying, and what Jesus is saying, is it's not about making the promise, it's about fulfilling the promise. And we can see that throughout the rest of the New Testament. Paul makes promises and he says to, he makes an oath to people. He says in Romans 1 9, he says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, and without up cease I mention you. He's saying, I make a promise before God. You see it again throughout the, throughout the, the New Testament. It talks about in Acts chapter 2 that God had made a promise. Himself, God Himself makes promises. We see uh, right at the cross that Jesus is making promises. And so what the, what the law says, it's okay to tell, tell and make promises. It's just, will you keep the promises? And what the Pharisees, and this is what the Pharisees were teaching, they were teaching that it's not okay even to make the promises. How come? Because they knew that they couldn't keep the promise. And so they were saying, hey, if you're going to make a promise, just take God out of the promise and make promises to things, to objects. Right? We see that in uh, chapter 5, verse 33 and 34. So he says this, again, you've heard it said, 
of those are old. Uh, of those of old. What the Pharisees were teaching was the Old Testament. Those are what the promises of God to be true, the law of God, that you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform it to the Lord what you have sworn. And so they were saying, this is what you've heard from before. This is what the, the Pharisees are saying. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, neither by heaven or by the throne of God or by the earth or by the foot for it is its footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the king. And so all of a sudden what were happening is the Pharisees were beginning to teach, hey, instead of making a promise to God, make a promise to the things God has made. How come? Because they knew it, how serious it was to take and make an oath to the promises of God. That once I make an oath to God, I'm now under that obligation with God, but if I make a promise to the things God has made, that there's less consequence. That's what they were beginning to teach. And I think we do that here. I swear by my grandmother's grave. Anyone ever heard that? It's like, what? Well, that's crazy, first of all. Grandma doesn't even know I'm swearing to her, but I swear by her name that I'll, I'll keep the promises. And so we begin to dull down the promises. And therefore, we don't have to tell the truth because we're not having to tell the truth to God. We're just having to tell the truth to what he's promised us to do. You see, the, the Pharisees were always looking for loopholes in the law of God. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, how many times have we looked for the loopholes in the word of God? How many times do we take the word of God and see, man, how can, how can I live it almost to the edge so I don't really have to live it completely so that I look righteous and holy? That's what the Pharisees were doing. That's what the Pharisees have done throughout where we've taught. That's what they did in their anger. That's what they did in their lust. That's what they were doing with divorce. And now that's what they're doing with making promises. And we're going to see next week and the following week, that's what they do with loving other people. Because they wanted, they wanted an appearance of righteousness. They didn't really want righteousness. Turn over to Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. This is what Jesus says about the Pharisees and the scribes. He says to, to the Pharisees, woe to you. That's not good when Jesus says woe to you. He's not calling a horse. I, don't, I guess that's what y'all say to horses. I don't ride horses. It's, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and are uncleansed. What Jesus is saying to them is, Hey, you, you look like you have it all together. And for me and for you this morning as believers, are we whitewashed tombs that are full of dead bones? Because we're not, we are no longer teaching and abiding by the law of God? Do we just have our external looking okay? The church is notorious for this. We had a really cruddy week and we come in here and we put a face on that says, man, I had a great week if we really are a family of God, then in the family of God, we ought to let everyone know when we're having a bad week. That's okay. Uh, the best example I can give is Tennyson. She does not have when she's having a bad moment, not a bad week, a bad moment. And my thought process is this. What if we live so honestly like Tennyson would live? There will be a day that she grows up and she'll know, man, I cannot act like that any longer anywhere else. 
She'll begin to hide from who she really is. She'll begin to put away what's really going on internally in her. She will no longer tell the truth. And our job, mine and Jenny's job as her parents, are to continue to pull the truth out of her and let her know, hey, you have a safe place to tell the truth. I don't know about you. I don't know the home that you grew up in, but the home that I grew up in, it was almost impossible to tell the truth. How come? Because if I began to tell the the truth about what was really going on internally, there were going to be consequences for my parents. And so I began to shut down those things that were going to enable me to live my life and live my life to the fullest. The only way to live life and live life to the fullest is being a truth teller. Because if we no longer tell the truth, we will hold the truth inside of us and we'll take all of our energy to suppress the truth in us. And we will not live fully. We will not live what God says he came to do through his son Jesus in John 10.10. I've come that you may have life and have life to the full. How does that happen? Life only happens through truth. And so in us this morning, are we telling the truth? Are we still in bondage of our secrets from not telling the truth? If we really believe that God is a good good father and that God did send his son to redeem us of all that's in us that's unrighteous then we must live in the truth of that that God has really forgiven us of that and as we've talked from this pulpit before it starts with the confession of truth in us to another human being James 5 tells us that confess your sins one to another tell the truth to one another You just see sin is just simply not telling the truth of what's happening in us out loud to another person. And so we will begin to live our lives uh, broken and shattered pieces and have God over here and live our life this way over here. It's what the Pharisees were doing. Here's what an amazing uh, writer says about this passage. I think it's so true for us says what we have here in Matthew chapter 5 verse 33 through 37 is the condemnation of the flippant profane uncalled for and often hypocritical oath used in order to make an impression or to spice up daily conversation over against the evil Jesus condemns simply truthfulness is thought word and indeed and so what this writer is saying is is are we just running from telling the truth so that it looks like we have um, de- more decent conversation. I-, I don't know if you've ever done that. We call them white lies. God calls them a lie. Like I-, I will tell enough of the truth, but I'll add a little bit of a lie into the truth to make it look like a, a-, a better story. If you've ever gone fishing, you've done it. You know you caught a minnow, and you try to tell people you caught a 12-ounce bass. Or you've shot a deer that had no horns, and you said it had 15, or horns, or antlers, whatever y'all call them. I'm from the city. We don't, we don't do that where I'm from. We let, we let deer be deer. And we just roam around. Y'all go kill them and stuff. It's good food. Oh, sorry, I'm getting off subject. But we take the truth, and we'll add just enough of a lie to expand the story to make ourselves look better. Or we'll do the opposite we'll tell the truth and take just enough of the truth out of story so we don't look that bad uh 
this is getting recorded, so I hope and pray this person never hears this. I'll tell him not to listen. I was mentoring a young man. He was uh, 22 at the time. And we were beginning to have this conversation about his drinking. And I was challenging him on drinking alcohol. I said, well, have you ever been drunk? No, never been drunk. Really? Never. I said, well, how, how much have you drank? So he began to tell me he's like this and this. And, and I said, that's a lot, man. He's like, no, I wasn't drunk. I drove home. I was like, oh, my. But you see what he was doing? He was taking the truth out of the story of how much he drank. And he was justifying his sin by saying he was able to do something, though if he got it pulled over, he, he would have gotten a DUI. How often do we do that? Not just embellish the truth, but take the truth out of a story so we don't look that bad. And what Jesus is going to tell us here is, hey, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So this is what Jesus is going to teach. He's going to teach us these things. So allow our yes be yes and our no be no. You see, what Jesus is going to tell us in this last half of this section is this, that he knows when we even make promises to things God has created, when we break that oath, we are breaking the very glory and the name and the renown of God. If we really do believe God is in all things, that if I make a promise to something God has made and I break that promise, then I'm just, I'm breaking a truth to God as well. Here's what William Barclay says about this. There's a great eternal truth. Light cannot be divided into compartments, in some of which God is involved and others which he is not involved. There cannot be one kind of language in the church and another kind of language in the home. There cannot be one kind of standard of conduct in the church and another standard of conduct in, bi in the business world. The fact is that God does not need to be invited into certain departments of our lives and kept out of others. He is everywhere. All through life. In every activity of life. He hears not only the words which are spoken in His name, He hears all the words that cannot be in any such thing as a form of a word which invades bringing God into the transaction. We will regard all promises as sacred if we remember that all promises are made in the presence of God. Do we believe that quote to be true? Do we believe when we are not letting our yes be yes and our no be no that God is still present even if we think he's not? You see, if we believe the sovereignty of God and the rule of God, that God is everywhere. That God is in all places at all times. And so, even when my yes isn't my yes and my no isn't my no, God is still present. You see, when I begin to believe that God is everywhere at all times, I will begin to live my life differently. Like, there is no secret place from God. There are secret places from people, but there is no secret place from God. It's called integrity. Let what you do at 2 a.m. be the same thing that you do at 2 p.m. But you see, Satan has brought us into the lie that he brought us, our, our, our ancient father and mother, into at the fall. That he would say, did God really say that? Does God really know what's best for you? You see, and what they did was right after the fall is what so many of us do when we lie or we cheat or we, we steal emotionally, spiritually, physically. What do we do? We go and hide because we think we can hide from the presence of God. And then what do we do in our hiding? We then go into 
covering it up like nothing ever happened. It's what Adam and Eve did. You see, if Adam and Eve had to stay true to the course and they had been truth tellers from the very beginning, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in. And so we need to look back at Adam and Eve and see where they've fallen so that therefore we do not have to fall there if we remember that God is everywhere. You see, even in that moment when Satan was giving the fruit to, to Eve and Eve gave it to Adam, that God was there present with them. He saw it all. And God was there with them when they ran and hid from him. And God was there when they made provisions for themselves to cover it up. And it's what God's been doing ever since and will continue to do till he comes back. He will be the one that will redeem truth and set us free. But we have to do what Adam and Eve did back then and say, okay. You see, it was in the moment of the okay, right after they had hidden and right after they realized that God is everywhere, that they received the sacrifice, the first sacrifice that was ever given to us. When he made the provision for their sin. You, you get that part of the story. They had fig leaves on and then God killed an animal and used the blood of the animal and shed the blood of the animal to use that to cover their sins. It's just a foreshadow of what God was going to do some 4,000 years later in his son Jesus. And so this morning is your yes, your yes, and your no, your no. And if it isn't, come to God this morning and plead for forgiveness. And in his forgiveness is what John said. I love that quote by D.L. Moody. That God has sacrificed his own son for us to redeem us from our lives. From our secrets. There is nothing in this world that we can do that God will not redeem. That God will not forgive. There's nothing that the blood of Jesus does not forgive but it starts with us where our yes be yes and our no be no will we be truth tellers will we tell the truth this morning if you're here this morning and you've come into this place with a deep dark secret this morning is the time to get open and honest for for a holy God and brothers and sisters in the church so that you can leave here this morning and you can leave free of that bondage You can live free of that secret. You see, that's what the Pharisees were wanting to do. They wanted to justify themselves so that they could continue to live a life that was contrary to God and yet make themselves look like they were living in righteousness. And yet God says to them in Matthew 23, you are like whitewashed tombs. You are full of dead bones. I pray that would not be true for us here at Powell's Chapel. I think one of the greatest witnessing tools that God has ever given us was to be truth tellers. Because as I said at the beginning of this message, we live in a world that we do not even know what the truth is any longer. And so will we as the people of God begin to tell the truths of God and live by the truths of God, therefore we can do what he tells us back in Matthew 5. We will be the salt and the light of the world. It's by our truth telling by how we live openly and live honestly with one another and with a lost and dying world. Will your yes be yes and your no be no? Let us pray. God, allow us this morning through your Holy Spirit to bring deep conviction to our hearts.
if our yes isn't yes and our no isn't no. God, I know what it means on a very personal level to live that way, to live in bondage, to live in secret. And oh, yet, God, I'm so grateful for your redemptive power. You called me out of death into life. And that through your spirit, God, you give me the courage every day to live as a truth teller. And so, God, I pray for that for us here at Powell's Chapel. I pray that this message would mark us as a truth-telling people. That we would live our lives submitted and surrendered to your word, the ultimate truth. God, I pray that we wouldn't be like the Pharisees. Beautiful on the outside and dead on the inside. Give us life. Life comes through your son Jesus who redeemed it and covered it all. Continue to lead us and guide us as we submit our will and our lives, our spirits to you. God, it's through that submission that we'll be truth tellers. In and of ourselves, God, you tell us that we're wicked. Even our, our greatest deeds are but filthy rags to you. But when we live our lives through the Spirit, your Holy Spirit, we live righteous lives. Enable us, encourage us, equip us to be truth tellers. Let our yes be yes. I know be known. Praise in Christ's famous name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing.